Hi, everyone. This is Father Jim Churn, and you're listening to the Pope Benedict XVI School of Prayer podcast. Each week, we'll be listening to catecheses offered by the late Holy Father back in 2011 in his Wednesday audiences with the faithful in which he was laying out the foundational principles of the life of prayer. And you can find all 47 of these addresses in a single volume that's published by Ignatius Press entitled A School of Prayer, The Saints Show Us How to Pray. Or you can follow along with the link in the show notes and on our Facebook group, which goes to the Vatican website, has postings of all the official texts of the Holy Father. But thanks so much for your interest in joining us as we lean into the clarity and the beauty of Pope Benedict XVI's teachings. Uh, last week, we concluded the, the first two introductory talks uh, that he gave just on man and prayer. Uh, and he laid out the, the foundational aspects to it just being part of the human condition that we are religious, that we seek God, and that we have certain questions. Today, his catechesis starts going through scripture. And so this one comes from May 18th, 2011, and it's entitled Abraham's Intercession for Sodom. Pope Benedict XVI writes, Dear brothers and sisters, in the last two catecheses, we've reflected on prayer as a universal phenomenon, which although in different forms is present in the cultures of all times, Today, instead, I would like to start out on a biblical path on this topic, which will guide us to deepening the dialogue of the covenant between God and man that enlivened the history of salvation to its culmination to the definitive word that is Jesus Christ. This path will lead us to reflect on certain important texts and paradigmatic figures of the Old and New Testaments, Abraham, the great patriarch, the father of all believers, will offer us a first example of prayer in the episode of intercession for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we'd also like to invite you to take advantage of the journey we shall be making in the forthcoming catechesis to become more familiar with the Bible, which I hope you have in your homes, and during the week to pause to read it and to meditate upon it in prayer in order to know the marvelous history of the relationship between God and man, between God who communicates with us and man who responds, who prays. The first text on which we shall reflect is in chapter 18 of the book of Genesis. It is recounted that the evil of the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah had reached the height of depravity so as to require an intervention of God an act of justice that would prevent the evil from destroying those cities. It is here that Abraham comes in with his prayer of intercession. God decides to reveal to him what is about to happen and acquaints him with the gravity of the evil and its terrible consequences because Abraham is his chosen one, chosen to become a great people and to bring the divine blessing to the whole world. His is a mission of salvation which must counter the sin that has invaded the human reality. The Lord wishes to bring humanity back to faith, obedience, and justice through Abraham. And now this friend of God, seeing the reality and neediness of the world, prays for those who are about to be punished 
and begs that they be saved. Abraham immediately grasps the problem and all its gravity and says to the Lord, Will you indeed destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Speaking these words with great courage, Abraham confronts God with the need to avoid a perfunctory form of justice. If the city is guilty, it is right to condemn its crime and to inflict punishment. But the great patriarch affirms it would be unjust to punish all the inhabitants indiscriminately. If there are innocent people in the city, they must not be treated as the guilty God, who is a just judge, cannot act in this way. Abraham says rightly to God. However, if we read the text more attentively, we realize that Abraham's request is even more pressing and more profound because he does not stop at asking for salvation for the innocent. Abraham asks forgiveness for the whole city and does so by appealing to God's justice. Indeed, he says to the Lord, Will you then destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? In this way, he brings a new idea of justice into play, not the one that's limited to punishing the guilty as men do, but as a different divine justice that seeks goodness and creates it through forgiveness, that transforms the sinner converts and saves him. With his prayer, therefore, Abraham invokes not a merely compensatory form of justice, but rather an intervention of salvation, which taking into account the innocent also frees the wicked from guilt by forgiving them. Abraham's thought, which seems almost paradoxical, could be summed up like this. Obviously, it's not possible to treat the innocent as guilty, This would be unjust. It would be necessary instead to treat the guilty as innocent, putting into practice a superior form of justice, offering them a possibility of salvation because if evildoers accept God's pardon and confess their sin, letting themselves be saved, they will no longer continue to do wicked deeds. They too will become righteous and will no longer deserve punishment. It is this request for justice that Abraham expresses in his intercession, a request based on the certainty that the Lord is merciful. Abraham does not ask God for something contrary to his essence. He knocks at the door of God's heart, knowing what he truly desires. Sodom, of course, is a large city. Fifty upright people seem few. But are not the justice and forgiveness of God perhaps proof of the power of goodness, even if it seems smaller and weaker than evil? The destruction of Sodom must halt the evil present in the city, but Abraham knows that God has other ways and means to stem the spread of evil. 
It is forgiveness that interrupts the spiral of sin. And Abraham, in his dialogue with God, appeals for exactly this. And when the Lord agrees to forgive the city, if 50 upright people may be found in it, his prayer of intercession begins to reach the abysses of divine mercy. Abraham, as we remember, gradually decreases the number of innocent people necessary for salvation. If there are not 50, perhaps 45 might suffice, and so on down to 10, continuing his entreaty, which becomes almost bold in its insistence. Suppose 40, 30, 20 are found there. The smaller the number becomes, the greater God's mercy is shown to be. He patiently listens to the prayer. He hears it and repeats it at each supplication. I will spare. I will not destroy. I will not do it. Thus, through Abraham's intercession, Sodom can be saved if there are even only 10 innocent people in it. This is the power of prayer. For through intercession, the prayer to God for the salvation of others, the desire for salvation which God nourishes for sinful man is demonstrated and expressed. Evil, in fact, cannot be accepted. It must be identified and destroyed through punishment. The destruction of Sodom had exactly this function. Yet the Lord does not want the wicked to die, but rather that they convert and live. His desire is always to forgive, to save, to give life, to transform evil into good. Well, it is this divine desire itself, which becomes in prayer the desire of the human being and is expressed through the words of intercession. With his entreaty, Abraham is lending his voice and also his heart to the divine will. God's desire is mercy and love as well as the wish to save. And this desire of God found in Abraham and in his prayer, the possibility of being revealed concretely in human history in order to be present whenever there is a need for grace. By voicing this prayer, Abraham was giving a voice to what God wanted, which was not to destroy Sodom, but to save it to give life to, con- to the converted sinner. This is what the Lord desires, and his dialogue with Abraham is a prolonged and unequivocal demonstration of his merciful love. The need to find enough righteous people in the city decreases, and in the end, 10 were to be enough to save the entire population. The reason why Abraham stops at 10 is not given in the text. Perhaps it is a figure that indicates a minimum community nucleus. Still today, 10 people are the necessary quorum for public Jewish prayer. However, this is a small number, a tiny particle of goodness with which to start in order to save the rest from a great evil. However, not even 10 just people were to be found in Sodom and Gomorrah, so the cities were destroyed a destruction paradoxically deemed necessary by the prayer of Abraham's intercession itself, because that very prayer revealed the saving will of God. The Lord was prepared to forgive. He wanted to forgive. But the cities were locked into a totalizing and paralyzing evil, 
without even a few innocents from whom to start in order to turn evil into good. This is the very path to salvation for which Abraham too was asking. Being saved does not mean merely escaping punishment, but being delivered from the evil that dwells within us. It is not punishment that must be eliminated, but sin, the rejection of God and of love, which already bears the punishment in itself. The prophet Jeremiah was to say to the rebellious people, your wickedness will chasten you and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. It is from this sorrow and bitterness that the Lord wishes to save man, liberating him from sin. Therefore, however, a transformation from within is necessary. Some foothold of goodness, a beginning from which to start out in order to change evil into good, hatred into love, revenge into forgiveness. For this reason, there must be righteous people in the city. And Abraham continually repeats, suppose there are. There, it is within the sick reality that there must be that seed of goodness which can heal and restore life. It is a word that is also addressed to us so that in our cities the seed of goodness may be found, that we may do our utmost to ensure that there are not only ten upright people to make our cities truly live and survive and to save ourselves from the inner bitterness, which is the absence of God. And in the unhealthy situation of Sodom and Gomorrah, that seed of goodness was not to be found. Yet God's mercy in the history of his people extends further. If in order to save Sodom, ten righteous people were necessary, the prophet Jeremiah was to say on behalf of the Almighty that only one upright person was necessary to save Jerusalem. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search your squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. The number dwindled further. God's goodness proved even greater. Nonetheless, this did not yet suffice. The superabundant mercy of God did not find the response of goodness that he sought. And under the siege of the enemy, Jerusalem fell. It was to be necessary for God himself to become that one righteous person. And this is the mystery of the Incarnation. To guarantee a just person, he himself becomes man. There will always be one righteous person because it is he. God himself must become that just man. The infinite and surprising divine love was to be fully manifest when the Son of God became man. The definitive righteous one, the perfect innocent, who would bring salvation to the whole world by dying on the cross, forgiving and interceding for those who know not what they do. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Therefore, the prayer of each one will find its answer. Therefore, our every intercession will be fully heard. Dear brothers and sisters, the prayer of intercession of Abraham, our father in the faith, teaches us to open our hearts ever wider 
the God's superabundant mercy, so that in daily prayer we may know how to desire the salvation of mankind and ask for it with perseverance and with trust in the Lord who is great in love.